Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. It's the 21st of November. Now, we talked about this yesterday, and I said that I was going to reach out to Daniel Herbert, the new chairman of Rugby Australia, after the debacle that has been the last nine months. And talking to everybody, whether or not you're in Mount Isa, or whether or not you're playing out of Dolby or Condamine or up out of Townsville, uh, Longreach, rugby is in the DNA of regional Queensland. And we've lost connection with our national team. Well, this bloke knows what it's like to play for Australia. 67 tests for his country. He's a World Cup winner in 1999. He's won the 2001 British and Irish Lions Series. He knows what it's like to win. Daniel Herbert joins me this morning on Rural Queensland today. Dan, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Gobbo. My pleasure, mate. Um, mate, this is probably not where you expected to be on this Tuesday morning as the new uh, Rugby Australia chair, but I suspect you'd be terribly honoured to be able to take this role. Oh, look, it's a it's a wonderful honour. You know, it was it was not certainly something I didn't covet. I was very happy uh, in the background uh, doing my bit there. Uh, but um, I guess the the faith the other director showed in me was you know was important. Um, you know, it's a, it's always a team effort, and uh, I said that if I do put my hand up, then I'm gonna I'm gonna require them all to lean in because uh, it's a big job, and uh, we got a lot to do. And, and uh, they said they'd all be willing to do that. So, so yeah, look, it's a it's a huge honour to to serve the game in this capacity. Anybody that goes for a role um, in this, and, and Hamish McLennan stood down after he, he didn't win the votes, but, you know, at least he, he, put, he put his hand up, he wanted to be involved, he tried to make a difference, it didn't work. But y- you've seen the game at its best. We, we talk about 99, I remember as a, as a kid in 91 at boarding school, getting up in the middle of the night to watch our heroes win their first World Cup. Um, we, we, it was ingrained in us. Uh, we knew every single Wallaby player they were our heroes and I'm not saying since 2003 look we've had some minor success in 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 15 but it's whittled away and rugby's never been as strong in the bush regionally and and from club level you know I know how proud you are at GPS but if you go to any of the 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 suburban clubs in Sydney or in, in Brisbane it's a strong why is it not as coveted at the moment up at the top end yeah, there's a couple of reasons that I put it down to, and look, everyone will have their own view of things, and and I worked in it for a period of time as well, and I, I came to the conclusion that the way that we structure our high performance model uh, has not advanced since we became professional, and it's it's been the same, and and that's the same for many sports. The federated model is is a difficult structure when it comes to high performance. It certainly works from a participation base. Um, the community game, but when you get into high performance, it's you know you have to uh, you can't afford to have bits of performance leaking out. You know it comes down to fine margins, and the federated uh, model doesn't really align to high performance in my in my view. So what's happened since um, other countries have gotten better? That's one thing. So other yep. countries have got more aligned. New Zealand, after getting knocked out of the uh, 2007 World Cup, they all came together and agreed that the All Blacks winning uh, had such a massive impact on the country, not just uh, on their rugby, but on the country. So that that had to become, I guess, the overarching thing. We have to do, everyone has to do what's in their own or in the best interest of New Zealand winning. And uh, and since then, we've seen Ireland get extremely organised. They've taken it a step further, Ireland, where everyone in the 
the Irish provinces actually works for the IRFU. Um, and uh, and what's happened over there is actually everyone's started to get more successful, so not just the national team who were sitting at number one in the world for, you know, coming from whatever they were, eight, seven, eight, nine, something like that for many years. They were always a, not an easy beat, but they were always someone yeah, sure. just expected to beat. I mean, they're now the, the most clinical team in my view in the world. I mean, they're, they're not the most powerful athletes um, getting around, you know, when you compare them to the, the Pacific Island base that, uh, that a lot of the countries in the South Pacific have, but, and South Africa have uh, obviously a different DNA as well, but, uh, but they're extremely clinical, and, and they got that through uh, high-performance alignment. And centralised? So, uh, is that the big thing? Like, everybody's talking about this centralisation, so... Well, that's, yeah, yeah, people get scared of that word because they think it's a takeover, but all it means is everyone's, <laughs> everyone's running in the right direction or in the same direction, so... Uh, you know, people get worried about loss of control and, you know, how will people out of Sydney, you know, how will they manage? You know, it's, it's not about that. It's actually just about everybody trying to align to do the right thing because, you know, the other thing that's happened in, in the meantime, so since the early 2000s, other teams have gotten better organised. Sure. The, the market in the north, the broadcast market in the north has, um, has certainly expanded. Now we're starting to see that come back in the UK where we've had a couple of teams so that you know by and large the northern market um, rugby's rugby's gone very well um, for the majority of that period you've got a lot of uh, heavy hitters up there private investment investing into the game and, and paying big salaries and that's attracting players up there so that's been a challenge the other thing that's happened more locally is our domestic rivals in our AFL you know have done a very good job and uh, have got coordinated and, uh, you know, and that's that put pressure on in, in various ways. So, you know, I, I still think we're operating to a model that, you know, has been here forever and a day and it's served the game well um, for a long time, but uh, others have now got more organised and that's both our international competitors and our local competitors. The NRL and the AFL have their money because of the TV rights, because they're on free-to-air TV and pay-per-view, and, and there, there's an appetite, and it's growing over a lot of time. And we can go back in history and say, well, you know, when we sold the rights to Foxtel at that stage, we took it off free-to-air. All that's in the past. Mm. We now have a, a, a shortfall. It, it, it's, it, it's very well documented that, that we are by no means Australian rugby. Rugby Australia is in any financial state at the present moment to, to really – be viable, but we need some outside investment. How quickly can that happen? I mean, that's to me, and this is only from what you read and who you talk to, that mm. everybody was saying, well, Hamish McLennan had this outside investment and it was going to happen. And yeah, yeah we've been hearing about that forever and a day. How, how real is it that, how real is our financial position in Rugby Australia and, and, and can it be turned around quickly? Uh, we'll look quickly. I mean, the you know we ran a private equity um, process that you know still um, you know there was there was still some way to go in terms of that process, but got to the point where um, we didn't think it was the right timing, and the market was telling us that it wasn't the right timing. So you know that that market came off recently, and we had some uh, uncertainty over a few over a few things, but then. Uh, we also have these two big events that you know we don't uh, we don't often get the British Lions and the Home World Cup, so they're two huge capital events, and uh, you know we haven't had that since the early 2000s. So that'll give us that'll give us a good uh, a good treasure chest there to try and uh, invest in the right areas of the game. Now it's you know it's it's hard because we've got very similar revenues to what we had 
um, I guess, some time ago. But we've got a lot more mouths to feed now. And, yep. uh, you know, it used to be men's 15s and women's 7s. Well, there's an expectation now that you invest in both forms of the game for both genders. And that's, you know, that's expensive. And then you've got the community game that is always, um, you know, could always do with more money. And then you've got the competition for athletes leaving school. And, uh, you know, that that is a uh, you know a very competitive market so we can't we can't be everything to everyone and, and trying to do that is you know you're gonna we're gonna send ourselves broke so look we've got we've certainly got a plan in the short term to uh, you know to get us through to those big two big capital events but we have to restructure certain aspects of the game and uh, you know we're, we're starting the conversations around that um, because if we don't then the money from those two capital events will be gone, you know, within a decade after after having them, it will be in the same position. So we've we've got to take this opportunity to you know take a uh, you know take a look at how we're how we're currently performing the high performance aspect of the game and uh, make sure that we're one living within it within our means, but also growing value so that the people who will invest in the game, the broadcasters, the sponsors, see. Um, See that it's an investable product, and to do that, also we need to win. You know, winning cures a lot of. That's the uh, biggest thing. I mean, how far off are you? I mean, I understand everybody's up Eddie's coaching, and I, I get it. I, I I get it, and it's a results-driven business. I, I I get all of that. But how far are you off winning? I, I, at different stages, you look competitive in the last twelve months. Um, there's a lot of players that want to represent the Wallabies. Um, you know, is it closer than we think? And and is appointing a coach the first thing that needs to be done? And then, I suppose, then getting it centralised and, and making some decisions. Uh, well, things. What I'd say, dollars. Things are never as bad as they seem, nor as good as they seem. Yeah. Um, you know, we we wax and wane. Uh, we've been very competitive. I think we've been very competitive. I think. I think what happened at the World Cup. You know, there was a lot of change that you know that was yeah. brought brought upon the team, and then. Um, there was a lot of change in terms of the way that uh, Eddie wanted to approach the game um, versus his predecessor, and and I think that in hindsight, you'd probably say there just wasn't the time to do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, I think it, you know, I think it uh, it was difficult for the players. So I think that uh, that's one aspect of it. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's enough there's a, there's enough good players to turn out and. Provide a really competitive Wallabies team, and I think uh, you know I think they've mostly been competitive. You know, we're playing against New Zealand, who is historically the most famous, uh, the most successful uh, team in any sport in the world in history. So, you know, New Zealand are a formidable opponent. We've got them in our backyard. We've got to play them all the time, um, and uh, so you know we've got to have everything going you know, in the same direction to beat them because they're very well organised and they're very good, and it's a, it's a national sport. So. You know that's that's something that uh, we need in terms of a coach. I, I just look. I, I just don't prescribe to the notion that a coach is going to fix things. You've got to fix all of the inputs below the coach, and that's the the pathways. That's the Super Rugby clubs and academies. Um, yeah. Once you start to get more competitive Super Rugby clubs, the players get used to winning. They understand what it's like to beat New Zealand teams. You know, it becomes a bit of a habit, and uh, and then. The confidence is there, but at the moment we tend to focus on that coach and bringing a new coach in. And but if you go back from Rod McQueen to Eddie Jones to everyone that's been uh, in that in that role after, uh, we get less successful generally. Um, so 
it's yeah. you, know, you can't say it's a coach because we had some of the world's best coaches come in who've been successful before and then are successful where they go after. So, so you got to look at the system. I, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Quickly, and the biggest question, Joseph Swali. Does he does he come to a rugby or can like and, and I mean this genuinely I mean that's been the sticking point um, that he was signed for all that money uh, are we still I mean there's a contract there but are you committed to him coming to to rugby Australia or do you try and look at another way and have a chat to his management team and him and see if he's genuinely wanting to come here Oh look I think that's I think that when it comes to players I think that's a conversation for the CEO initially I mean if he you know, if he wants to, um, you know, discuss with the management, you know, I'll leave that to Phil. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in, in player discussions. I mean, we've we've got a contract, we'll honour it. Um, but you know, if there's if there's other ideas out there um, from you know from his side, then we'd hear it. But uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm not I'm just focused on the things we can control, and I don't think that's one of them. And uh, you know, we've signed a contract, and, and we'll honour it. I appreciate your time, mate. uh, I think we're in the right direction now with you uh, leading the ship, mate. Congratulations on the appointment. Um, You're a proud Queenslander and you've done a phenomenal job in everything you've been involved in. Dan Herbert, uh, really appreciate your time and congratulations. Thanks, Dobber. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more Rural Queensland today.